Hello and welcome to the Morning Hoops Basketball Podcast. I'm Anthony Denou, radio veteran and former pig racer. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Denou. I'm joined by Kyle McEwen, basketball analyst and former nude art model, who you can find on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, please smash that like button. If you're checking us out on your favorite podcast app, please rate and review the podcast. And for anyone that rates and reviews the podcast, Kyle and I will come to your house next spring and help you be, uh, plant a bed of sweet potatoes in your garden. Isn't that right, Kyle? Sweet potatoes are great, man. I like to bake them up in little chip like chips, you know, and then uh, yeah. I'll make a I'll make a big old bowl of guac out of like two or three avocados. <laughs> and uh, I'll just get in there with all my all my sweet potato chips and just mm, yum, delicious. And it's, you know, it's all healthy fat. It's great for you. Oh, make sure you put a little bit of garlic seasoning and onion in those in that guac. But yeah, it's a good time. Hell yeah, brother. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, what we got coming up on the show. We're going to talk about things that happened this weekend, some uh, big games and injuries, some returns, and of course, some news. And starting off today with uh, some trade rumors, Kyle. Heck yeah, man. Let's uh, let's get into them. Uh, we, we had that... Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe had an ESPN special where essentially we were getting the inside scoop from those guys in regards to legit trade rumors right now. You know, you, you can look around the internet and find a lot of speculation about what might be going on as we did ourselves in our, in our previous show. So check that out from last Thursday. It's still got some, uh, some viability for listening, but, uh, to, to get stuff from the, the horse's mouth on the, you know, unofficial opening of the trade season for the NBA with with December 15th being that day when a lot of the free agents from the summer who signed with new teams are now eligible to be traded. So so that's what's the impetus to to uh, Woj and Lowe having the show and uh, to us talking about the, the things that they brought up. Yeah, and someone that is, uh, you know, it's no one new to trade talks is Kevin Love. He's been the kind of the the girl at the dance that everyone's looking to dance with so far for this trade season and what do we found out about him and what maybe his price tag is well apparently love's ready to go which is something that i think a lot of us already thought or believed at least um and wojnarowski said that the market for kevin love's going to be something like a, a protect protected first round pick maybe an expiring contract and then perhaps a, a throw-in player so a, as we were already speculating before due to love's contract the fact that he's got a couple more years on it right now it's going to be hard for the Cavs to get much in value back uh for future value but they might be able to, to at least get salary relief in those those extra years that that love currently has on his contract and Woj said that there's likely to be some trade movement in the next few weeks you know it's not often we see a lot of early trade movement but I think teams might look to the way things unfurled last year with the trade deadline being before the all-star break and they might say look if we're going to make a trade and make changes to our team we need to identify those changes early and get some get some new players in here be long before the the all-star game comes into purview and then we have to worry about the viability of, of trading someone based on the PR perspective of it with our fans. Did you find it interesting at all that this price tag did not mention anything about a current prospect, someone who's in the first or second year of the NBA, a young player around the age of 19 to 22, 23, that wasn't really involved in that at all? 
Well, I mean, if you look at like guys who are throwing players, you're talking about how uh, Mo Wagner was a throwing player going to the Lakers. So like, or going to the Wizards. So like, and then he he rose up, you know, like nobody was really super hot on Mo Wagner before the season started and and he ended up playing super well off the bench for the Wizards this year. Um, Yeah, there's certain people who were fans of Mo Wagner and believed in his ability to maybe be a rotation player, but but the, some of the stuff we saw some from Mo early was actualized potential. So I think someone who has maybe uh, some ambiguity on whether or not they're going to fulfill their potential, that's who the throw-in player would be. So so maybe you do look across the different rosters and you you find you identify another guy similar to that, and, and maybe that's a, a Malik Beasley or or something to that effect. Uh, from you know, if if the trade was to to uh, come up with the Denver Nuggets because they have the expiring contract of Paul Millsap that fits in nicely with Kevin Love's uh, per year numbers, then you could maybe throw in like like I just suggested a Beasley or or somebody else who might have more upside <laughs> in a in a bigger role on another team. Portland is somewhere that he's been linked to uh, a number of times, including just last week and saying that's uh, a place that he'd be interested in going. So the price tag looks like that's pretty feasible. I mean, uh, Kent Bazemore potentially. Yep, absolutely. Kent Bazemore. And then I, I, I mean, I would be really surprised if the, if the Blazers would throw in Anthony Simons to, to get Kevin not, Love, yeah. but but who knows? Who knows how desperate they are? I, I highly doubt it. No, you know, I'm not even let's take that back. That didn't I didn't say that. That's not something that's possible. Let's hope not. That would be a terrible move. Yeah, the, and once again, it didn't it, it didn't say anything about a a young a, a prospect. So I suffice I doubt that to Simons say, if, if your team is talking about getting Kevin Love in a trade, they are not gonna have to play full pay full market value for his talent. They're gonna get a reduced price in regards to the the trades assets that that have to be returned for Kevin Love because of his bloated contract so and how that has to fit into uh you know very few teams who who can actually have that space available bloated um all right should we move on to the thunder and cp3 talk yeah apparently there's no belief within the thunder organization that chris paul will be traded this season according to woj and i just think that's a is that is that PR to say from the Thunder to say, look, we're not really worried about moving CP3. So if you want them, you got to make us want to move them. Whereas, right. whereas in reality, given CP3's huge contract, you would think that, and the fact that he's 34 already, you would think that the Thunder would want to capitalize on, on the fact that CP3 has played well to start the season and that it might help facilitate a trade for them to get away from his long-term value. Yeah, he's someone that I can't really pinpoint a potential location for him, but his his situation is similar to, I would say, the Gold State Warriors, how they're kind of coming out and doing the same thing, sort of PR, like, well, we're not going to, we're not looking to move him, but it doesn't mean they're not listening. Right, you're talking about D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, the, yes. the Warriors are not making calls regarding D'Angelo Russell is the, is the reported verbiage. So which is just hilarious. If the phrasing of everything is, is shows you what the narrative is or the, the purposes from the report of how Woj got it, you know, so the warriors will not be making calls regarding D'Angelo Russell. Hey, we're not putting him out there. We're not making him available. We like this guy. We want him on our team long-term. In other words, if you want him, you're going to have to pay for him. It's not just, we're not just salary dumping this guy. 
um, you're going to have to give us something back that that's going to help us going forward. So it's, it's funny to, to kind of look through the, the baloney to read between the lines on these situations. Um, what is anything other? No, not really. Um, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves are also are reportedly looking for an upgrade at point guard, which is not a surprise. They were looking for one in the off season. They were looking for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, but then that just didn't work out because the whole D'Angelo Russell situation was tied to Kevin Durant and, and, uh, and if the Timberwolves were going to acquire Russell, they would have needed to consummate a trade. So, you know, you need you need two sides to do that. And it just didn't work out with the Timberwolves. Um, so it's uh, it's it's just a situation where you, you think that there's still a chance that Russell could end up finding his way to to the Timberwolves. But the they the Timberwolves would have to. It sounds like uh up the ante on what they've what they've been reportedly been offering the Warriors if in fact the the two teams have been talking which I would suspect they have um so the Rockets are have been linked to Andre Iguodala but it that seems now very unlikely according to the tweet <laughs> according to the tweet well according to Woj um yeah that, uh, there's tons of teams every single team that's a contender is going to want Andre Iguodala right Right. I mean, the, you've, you've got a, one of the things that we identified when we were going through the teams last year in our trade primer about who might be traded uh, this, this season is the fact that the, the one thing you really need in today's NBA to match up with the, the other championship level teams are great combo forwards who have the ability to guard people in the post on the perimeter to match up with those super versatile players, whether it's a guy like Anthony Davis or, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, who are two very different kind of versatile players. So uh, Andre Iguodala is one of those guys who can cause problems for those guys, for a LeBron James. Maybe not at the same level that he has in the past, but he's he's a body you can throw at them and a legit one who, even if his uh, athleticism continues to trail off and his health continues to trail off as he gets older, he's still a heady enough of a defensive player to make an impact there. Um, so the, one of the, the big story of this year has been Luka Doncic. And of course he goes down with an injury in a year where we're already missing so many stars due to injury. And sadly, is he getting I mean, traded? It's, it's, no, he's not getting traded. Oh, okay. Are we moving on to, to injuries? Yeah, that was, the, that was my plan here. <laughs> well, I was getting worried there. Okay. Yeah. He's getting traded to the bucks for, uh, Eric Bledsoe. Because they're both injured. Because they're both injured for a couple weeks, so it'll make sense. Yep. Um, Yeah. I mean, you got to think that uh, Eric Bledsoe is obviously going to be better than Luca the rest of the way. (laughs) Yeah. Fair assessment. All right. Sorry, man. I was just giving you crap because I wanted a more clear uh, uh, transition to our injuries uh, session. 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 What's it called? Segment. Segway to the segment. All right, so we're talking about injuries from this weekend, of which there are a few of note. As we said, Luka Doncic, really the big one. Uh, Pretty bad ankle turn and sprain 
and I guess he was in the pool uh, working like in the second half after he had been deemed out. So they don't think they are hoping it's not as bad as it looked, but he still is going to be out for a few weeks. Yeah, Luca. If you watch the video, he really uh, he he twisted his ankle bad, and a lot of times I'll I'll look at ankle injuries and people will be making a big commotion of it on Twitter, and I'll be like, ah, eh, it's you know one game maybe two but this one looked pretty bad for luca and he was even grabbing at the his upper ankle so there was some concern initially from people that it may have been a high ankle sprain uh fortunately x-rays came back negative he underwent an mri everything appears to be good he's he doesn't have a high ankle sprain it's a moderate one he's going to be out a couple weeks but realistically we should see him back in action probably in two to three weeks maybe a little bit longer if the team uh, can kind of stay afloat and continue co- to compete without him. Uh, do you have? Can you tell us why you might be personally bummed about this? Oh man, I've got uh, my a couple of buddies and I. We all bought tickets and like you know ponied up like a hundred bucks to get good tickets so that we could go watch Luca play versus Giannis in Milwaukee on Monday night. And now you know one game before Luca's going to play Giannis, he goes and gets his ankle injured. And like I'm not. You know, I'm not like throwing shade or anything or pissed. I'm just I'm 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 frustrated as someone who wanted to see Luca and who, you know, asked for the time off from work. And and, you know, same for my buddies that like we did this to go to watch Luca, not to go watch, you know, Jalen Brunson. And I'm still excited for certain aspects of the game. But if, if Luca's sitting out and and Giannis has any kind of flare up for any kind of issue. He, they might, they might just the, the Bucks might decide to sit Giannis in this game too. So that that frustrates me a little bit as well. So I don't know. I'll, um, but ultimately, yeah. Sorry. Th- thanks for letting me vent there, Anthony. No, absolutely. And this is continuing a trend this year of the Bucks missing their opponent's top star. So it's happened a number of times this year. It's pretty remarkable. Um, moving on in the injuries column is uh, we're going to PJ Washington who uh, fractured his pinky finger and he should be out for a couple weeks. Well, are you, are you excited at all about uh, anything we might see while Luca's out? Are there any guys who might step up that you're looking forward to seeing? I have maybe Tim, do a little bit more. I have Tim Hardaway jr. In fantasy. So, I mean, there's that, but I would rather have the entertainment and of, yeah. of seeing Luca in uh, play as much as possible. And, but this also, if you want to see it from the maps perspective, this could also shine a little bit more light on Porzingis and let him be the man for a couple weeks, which could ultimately make the duo better when Luca is back. And maybe this is what Porzingis need is a little bit more of the focus, you know, more time with the ball and really be the guy that they're going to have to rely on if they're going to get through these next few weeks. Well, and this just makes it easier too for coach Carlisle to, you know, look at, look at Chris Stapps Porzingis in a, in a larger light, as you said, because he doesn't, you know, it's really hard to, to say, Oh, we're going to give, we're going to ask Luca to give up shots. Like, no, right. <laughs> not during, Yeah. Not no, during no. this unbelievable stretch. Like, sorry, Chris Stapps. And, and thing is, Chris Stapps acknowledged that early in the season. He said, look, man, it, it would be, it'd be one thing if we weren't winning, but like, I'm playing with Luca and we all see how good he is. I'm not going to complain about, you know, my shots and things like that. I'm, I'm fine to play my role as long as we continue to win and we're gonna foreign so, players tend not to have the kind of ego about those kind of things. I don't uh, and as far as that's how I feel at least. 
I mean, you might be right. I haven't looked at the data on it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. There's got to be like a psychological uh, evaluation impact study in regards to NBA players' egos. At least there should be. Uh, <laughs> maybe somebody needs to get on that. There you go. Team doctors. So is there any other way uh, to think about this from, from the Mavs perspective? Who's, who's ultimately going to get put in the starting lineup or who gets the most minute bump? It might change from game to game. Uh, you're definitely going to see a little bit more minutes from several players, but ultimately um, Jalen Brunson started the second half on Saturday. So that might be the, the first guy to get a look as the starting point guard. But we also know that uh, coach Carlisle loves JJ Barea. So now that, his his main point guard and Luca's out. It's gonna be like, oh yeah, man, I get to play JJ Barea a ton of minutes, and, <laughs> and we might see JJ don- just drop a bunch of dimes. So that that could be fun because because as we've seen in the past, Barea can just load up on those assists in very short minutes. Um, but beyond Jalen Brunson, maybe Delon Wright if he if his hamstring issue is healthier. But Delon only played like eight or nine minutes in Saturday's game, even with Luca going down. So that was a little bit of a weird situation. And then maybe even Seth Curry and 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 the fact that Luca is a guy who essentially plays not point guard on on defense, other positions we might even see other guys have more secure minutes uh, if. Uh, if Carlisle just decides to continue to roll out that very flat and, and uh, timeshare kind of a rigmarole with, with all of his guards. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Yeah, we'll see what the rotation ends up being tomorrow night in Milwaukee, and you'll get a first-hand look at it. So This we'll is be- the perfect trap game for uh, Milwaukee on their 18-game win streak, though, too. You know, like yeah. a, a Lucaless team coming in? Ugh. I think a I think a Luca full team would be a much more imposing much more of a threat. threat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but this is uh Chris Stapp's playing against Giannis, and that's who he hurt his knee against. Uh oh, you know, that's true. So it, it might just be pimp and destruction coming from Chris Stapps, and uh that's what I'm hoping for. Uh should we get to the PJ Washington yeah. fractured pinky? Yeah, PJ Washington has a fractured pinky. He's going to be out a couple weeks at least. Um, so we we'll probably won't see him until after after Christmas, it sounds like. With PJ Washington out on Sunday, the, the uh, what are they called? They're Hornets. We're playing the Indiana Pacers. And due to the Pacers playing that bigger front court of Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, the Hornets went with uh, Cody Zeller at power forward and Bismack Mayumbo together at center. So that was interesting to see ultimately though, if, if Marvin Williams is healthy and comes back, we'll probably see Marvin Williams filling in for a lot of those PJ Washington, uh, absences. And we might even see other guys like, uh, Cody Martin, uh, get, get a lot of run. Nicholas Batum was out on Sunday too. So the, uh, the Hornets are dealing with a lot a lot of little injuries right now in their uh, forward rotation. So we might just see some, some more innovative lineups with, with uh, Cody Zeller and, and uh, Bismack Biombo more than what I, I would presume. Wow. Innovative and Biombo and, and Zeller <laughs> all in the same sentence. What in the world has come of the NBA? <laughs> Charlotte Hornets. I was wondering why that word came to my mind That's and great. not like, yeah, something uh, <laughs> more negative. Uh. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, let's talk about Eric Bledsoe. And he hurt his shin on Friday night. This is interesting because he said that he was fine after the game. And I think it was Matt Matt uh, Velasquez asked him, well, you know, Chris said the same thing after he got hurt. And 
Bledsoe respond, yeah, but Chris a little baby, though. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty fun response to see uh, tweeted out. Um, and then the next day when Eric Bledsoe comes up with, uh, oh, hey, by the way, <laughs> he's out for two weeks at yeah. least. And speaking of being a baby, the way Giannis <laughs> picked up Bledsoe, un- yeah. just like a straight deadlift of dead weight. I mean, uh, yeah, Bledsoe's over 200 pounds. He's uh yeah. He's a he's a thick uh you know he's six one, but he is a he's a bulldog. Yeah, he's a girthy little muscle toad. Um yeah. <laughs> uh, but Bledsoe has a shin evulsion fracture, and it's gonna he's gonna be out for at least two weeks. Uh in his first absence on Saturday, we saw Dante DiVincenzo, Big Ray Goo, the uh curly Sue. Uh he, he got uh he got the start. So it's gonna be fun to see Dante play uh yeah. point guard. Um yeah, he you know. started he started in place of Middleton and they shift Wesley Matthews up to small forward while Middleton was out. So he's got uh he had a few weeks starting experience. The they the Bucks were undefeated when Dante was in the starting lineup. They're still undefeated and on that incredible streak. Now we'll get to see Dante instead of starting at shooting guard, moving over to point guard. I think this is great. He the whole idea when he was drafted is that he's the combo guard off the bench six man role. And so we're really getting to see him play six man starting shooting guard, now starting point guard. It's uh, it's really sort of what was planned for him that he was going to get to move around and do all these different things. It's going to be bittersweet when he gets traded for Davis Bertans. <sighs> Yikes. It'll be great, dude. It'll be fine. No, it'll be a lot of you, fun. You won't care. Um, because it'll be like, yeah, but it led to a championship. But right, right, but right. seeing Dante DiVincenzo on the the Wizards, which would be a really great fit for him, considering the ambiguity of John Wall's uh, health going forward and his big contract. But so yeah, the plan is to uh, start Dante, and then George Hill will just kind of keep his role off the bench, and I imagine the Bucks will keep rolling. Holla holla. All right, next injury to look at Kevin Huerta. And uh, <laughs> this is that is like, look, Kyle chooses. I, to I figured it out. I figured it out. The reason why I say Huerta is because the the Spanish announcers on 2K that oh yeah. my goodness. All so right, all right. yeah, that's why I started saying it like that. And that's where that's where if I have like a, a quote unquote funny way to pronounce something or a different way to pronounce something, yeah. I guarantee it's based off something dumb or something, you know. <laughs> unique that's not completely devoid of reality right um but it dude i I get it like in our position at hosting this show you would hope that we would be keyed in enough to know exactly how every single player's name is is pronounced correctly um but there are certain situations where there's uh i don't know it's okay not to be right on 99 you know on 100 percent of everything you know, no, I'm with you. And what I try and do is go by the home announcers pronunciation of a player's name. But that's it's you know, there's some players that don't get in all that much and whatever. It's Well, I mean, when Luca first came into the league, uh, I remember one of the uh, not Nate Duncan, but uh, the other brother on the on that podcast, uh, Danny LaRue. He he was trying to sell people on the idea that Luca's last name was uh, pronounced Luca Doncic. And he was just trying to get people on, in on that, uh, or at least he was mentioning it on their podcast as as a way of saying it might be this. <laughs> so uh, that was sometimes I'll drop a Don Cheech when I'm talking about Luca, just because it's it's fun to kind of th- do a throwback to the uh, incorrect pronunciations that we find ourselves stumbling through at times. 
Uh, well, back to Kevin Herter. So he hurt his shoulder again. This is the same one he was out with recently in the, in the season. Herter hurt his shoulder again. Yes. Uh, uh, so we don't know how serious this is. Herter said he, it's not expected or he doesn't expect it to be uh, as big of an issue as his previous injury that he just recently came back from and was still working off of his getting off of his minutes restriction on. So it's a frustration, frustrating situation. He was trying to do something with Dwight Howard in the post. It was weird. Dwight ended up throwing his, his arm back and it hit hurt her shoulder. So it was a weird little situation. I don't know how to read in it to read into it as it's not as, uh, as, obvious as the last time Herter injured his shoulder like you saw the, the tape and you're like oh my gosh he's he's hurt but um that that wasn't the situation the situation here was like really weird and also maybe don't go up against Dwight in that kind of a situation it was kind of ridiculous um but with with Werter out we're probably gonna see uh just a little bit more of Cam Reddish maybe a guy like DeAndre Bembry gets back into the rotation here um, and maybe even Evan Turner gets back into the rotation as the as the backup uh, point guard. Uh, yep, I agree with you. Cam Reddish, interesting. They uh, big play at the end of the game. Hawks were up for mo- actually most of the game. Lakers, of course, came back uh, late in the second half. But uh, the Hawks drew up a really nice play for Cam Reddish to tie the game uh, at at the end of the fourth quarter, and it involved looked like they drew it up so that way Vince Carter was going to go in for two and just lay it up with ease. And he went up and even brought it up. And then at the last second threw it to the corner, once LeBron had already really just started to ignore Reddish and bit on the fake that Vince Carter was going up for the two and uh, Reddish missed it, but it was, it was a really nice play. You know, and that's got to give the the rookie confidence in regard to uh, the fact that his coach has shown him trust and that his teammates are showing him trust. And Trey Young went up to him right afterwards to like encourage him like it's all good and like, you know, he was they said we got a great look and they were I mean, they were pretty content. I mean, was it did it did it actually hit rim? <laughs> uh, I think it might have. I don't it wasn't it wasn't horrible, but it didn't okay. go in. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Reddish is he was had a lot of shooting struggles in college. I think we anticipated that coming in. We continue to hear how the Hawks are working to improve that for him. And I think we have to have a fair bit of optimism, but also skepticism as to whether or not it'll come to fruition. But there's enough other, there's enough other things about Reddish's size, athleticism, and his ability to potentially be another ball, ball handler and creator off the dribble that, it's not just about his shooting for him to become a successful player in the NBA. So as much as people want to uh, throw shade and I don't know, make overreactions to too early of a, um, of a player's, you know, career in the NBA, like there's still a lot to be seen with him. Uh, some other injury news, Paul Millsap and the nuggets has been out for two games and Jeremy Grant, taking the place at power forward yeah what do you uh what do you think here do you think that there's a chance with the fact that Millsap's on the last year of his deal that maybe Jeremy Grant just permanently steals that starting power forward job at, at some point especially if Millsap needs to continue missing games yeah I wonder also if Millsap is a good trade target for teams trying to or is I mean if you're trying to get that expiring deal so that way this offseason you have some more money or you're rebuilding 
Um, that might not be a, a bad thing to do either, especially if you have Jeremy Grant playing the way, the way he is, and you have, hopefully, Michael Porter Jr. entering it and at small forward, too, to help the front court even more. Yeah, MPJ had a pretty good game on Sunday. Uh, nine points, eight rebounds in just about 10 minutes. So Jesus. Uh, but, but they continue to kind of jerk around, uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes. We're not seeing consistent big ones from them yet. Um, right. and that's fine. Like it is what it is. Uh, I mean, I've, I've complained enough on here about my perspective of that. <laughs> uh, but it's at least good to see him a little bit more consistently getting into the rotation, even if it is still just little nibbles at the cheese, you know, he's, uh, Malone's not falling completely into the MPJ mousetrap yet. Uh, should we talk about some returns from injury coming up? This yeah, week? let's let's do it, brother. All right, so the let's start off with the Kings. We had uh, Begley's back this week, uh, and De'Aaron Fox is going to return on Tuesday and actually was listed as doubtful for the first time uh, today, but of course didn't get into the game. Yeah, yep, yeah, on Sunday. Um, Bagley continues to come off the bench right now. It's frustrating to see from uh, Coach Luke Walmart, but uh, I guess do you do you think it's reasonable to bring Bagley off the bench like this behind Rashawn Holmes? Because right now what we're seeing is Rashawn Holmes is getting limited by the fact that that uh, Bagley is coming off the bench because they want to give Bagley enough minutes. They're not. <laughs> uh, Coach Luke Walmart said that he's going to continue. The reason why he's limiting Bagley in his return is to try to ease his return and all because he doesn't want him playing at two positions right now. Um, okay, then don't play him at two positions. Just play him at starting power forward like he's supposed to be on this team. It's it's one of those situations similar to the Michael Porter Jr. thing where I think a coach is overthinking things in the now to try to win tonight instead of like just looking at his team from a more whole, whole perspective and saying like, uh, Marvin Bagley's our starting power forward. We need him to play with the guy that we installed as the starting center after he left due to injury earlier this year. So now we should try to get those guys' minutes together if that's going to be how we're going to play going forward. But yet, uh, because Nemanja Pivlica has stepped up and played well during the injury absence, you're just going to continue to ride with this guy who's, I believe, 31 years old. And like it just doesn't make sense why you... Uh, build these barriers to better production going forward and and the reality of your situation. I, I mean, go back to Luke Walmart when he was coaching the Lakers and the fact that going his first season with the Lakers, everybody's looking at his team and saying, oh, he's going to start Brooke Lopez and Julius Randle at center and power forward. That didn't happen until like the last five games of the season. It was the most obvious starting lineup and it didn't happen for the last five games of the season. So, there is a little bit of fear for me in regards to what's going to happen here with Marvin Bagley going forward. But in reality, I don't believe the Sacramento Kings front office would allow coach coach Luke Walmart to continue to make these terrible decisions by bringing Bagley off the bench. And what, what may be ha happening here or what, what, what may be just unsaid is that uh, Luke Walmart may have made this decision to line up Bagley's return to the starting lineup with De'Aaron Fox's return to the starting lineup as well. Hmm. All right. That's interesting. We'll look forward to that on uh, potential on Tuesday. <sighs> if Bagley uh, doesn't start on Tuesday, though, it's just, <laughs> we know. Fire, just fire the guy. Wow. Eesh, just get him out of there. 
another return from injury. Nikola Vucevic returned to the Orlando Magic. Yep, Vucevic was back in action on Sunday after missing the previous, I believe, 11 games with a, yes, 11 games with a sprained ankle. He said there was some kind of like bone bruise issue, but if if that healed already, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, quick return there for Vucevic. He was right back to playing good minutes. Uh, the, the Magic one handily so they didn't need to um you know lean on him too hard uh but with Vucevic back it's gonna it's gonna affect a lot of guys production all around the roster because Vucevic is a uh, guy who demands a lot of shots due to his uh proficiency on offense so we're gonna see some of the guys who had been stepping up lately whether it was Evan Fournier uh or Terrence Ross maybe take another step back same for maybe Aaron Gordon but even with Vucevic back we saw uh John Isaac have a really nice game, 2010 game. Um, so that that was cool to see. Um, and, and hopefully John Isaac can continue to show off more of his scoring ability. He's had four 20-point games this season. So uh, I'm hoping that I, – I think ultimately John Isaac and another guy that we're going to talk about tonight in Jaron Jackson Jr., these guys are going to end up being like Giannis-esque players when they're, you know, when they're done developing and becoming their – who they're going to be as the number one options on, on their teams eventually someday. Uh, Landry Shamit returned to the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday. Yes, he did. He slotted right back into the starting lineup at shooting guard, but that was also with several players out due to injury for the Clippers. Shamit was originally expected to be out through their current road trip and then look at a return, but he was able to come back a little bit early after having a really good workout uh on friday so uh it's just nice to have shamit back he's a he's a great three-point shooter and ultimately though he'll probably slot into a sometime starting job when the when the clippers want to go with uh both george and Kawhi leonard at their power at their two forward slots but most games we're probably going to continue to see mo harkless start at power forward which is going to push shamit to the bench when when the clippers are at uh full full health but we also know that with Kawhi Leonard resting so many games that Shamit should get uh, quite a few looks in the starting lineup uh, for the rest of the season too. A couple of suspension returns, non-injury notes here. Uh, Wilson Chandler returned on Sunday for the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, he did. Uh, got 18 minutes off the bench. That was a blowout win for the Nets, so maybe there was a little bit of extra run there for Wilson Chandler after missing the first 25 games due to suspension uh, this season. But we, you know, Chandler's a, a vet. He's someone that the team with them winning could be someone that they trust even more than a guy like who's put like uh Torian Prince, who's played well this season as a starting power forward. So that's a situation to watch just how the, the forward ro- rotation unfolds with, with Wilson Chandler back in action and available to uh, be used there. If, if we see a guy like Garrett Temple or Torian Prince struggling, or, you know, th- there's a lot of options there where, we could see Wilson Chandler claim a bigger role than what a lot of people would suspect. Uh, another suspension return, DeAndre Ayton coming up is uh, going to oh, should be available Tuesday, right, for the Phoenix Suns? Yep, DeAndre Ayton has one game left on his 25-game suspension. You know, we originally heard when he was suspended that there was going to be an appeal, and then we never heard anything about the appeal, which is just frustrating because it's like, where's the reporting? But it's also... Um, I don't know. It's it. I guess it peeves me off because it, it it makes it feel like it's one of those situations where 
the league would never actually uh, approve an appeal in, in, in this regard because it would just open the door to like essentially every single player ever getting suspended for that similar reason to be able to contest it, which is also, it frustrates me because I feel like it's an adherence to a rule for, for adherence to a rule sake for the rule sake, instead of for whether or not it's a, a meaningful application of trying to make the game more fair, whatever. It's going to be great to have Deandre Ayton back. It's going to be great to have less Frank Kaminsky out there. Um, (laughs) Whatever jerk. Yeah. But, and, but, and Aaron Baines is going to slot into more of a, just, you know, that backup role at center. Um, Deandre Ayton is their starting center. No, I mean, I would actually. I was gonna say none of this Bagley crap, or I was gonna throw up a little bit of a prayer about not having any stupid stuff coming back. But I think the fact that we've seen Aaron Baines already be uh, put back into a, a backup role behind Frank Kaminsky, I think that foretells the situation that Aiton is going to immediately step into the starting lineup over Frank Kaminsky. I think that's going to happen as well. I mean, he's the first overall pick last year. Everyone else seems to be getting uh, well, at least you know, Mavs and Hawks are getting top return from their picks. So the Suns are looking to do the same off of Aiden. Well, just even if you're bringing Aiden back and you're saying, Hey, we're going to ease him, ease him into action, maybe limit his minutes to 25, uh, the first couple games or, or whatever to, to get his, his, uh, his blowback for games. Like this, you know, eventually Aiden would start. At center, so the idea of like bringing him, easing him in off the bench, like it's it's just a stupid situation where you're saying like, okay, cool, we're going to integrate him into the bench, then we're going to reintegrate him into the starting lineup with a bunch of different guys. So, no, dude, just get him integrated into the one spot, and then you know, lessen your road bumps instead of like you know paving a wavy road. Why would you pave a wavy road, bro? These Paul McCartney lyrics. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Thank you. Uh, we want to talk about some top performances from the weekend. Um, Yeah, I think the one that stands out to me was Jaron Jackson Jr. going for a career high 43 points and a career high nine three pointers uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. So that was just a lot of fun to see him uh, step up and have a huge game. Uh, John Morant and Brandon Clark were both resting for that game. But um, it's nice to know that Jackson looked across the, the rest of the team and said, oh, there's dudes out. I need to do more. And he did more. He shoots like middle schoolers at the YMCA. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he has the craziest release and uneven hop. It is, it's almost as if he's joking. It's like I, I don't <laughs> believe that is a real shooting form in the NBA. It's beautiful, though, isn't it? It goes in. It, that it was beautiful. At like a good, you know, year, at a good yeah. percentage. Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. No, he's been unreal, especially the last few weeks. So, uh, um, you want to talk about a little bit more about the the development of like p- positionless basketball and how you think Giannis has sort of led the charge, but some of these players sort of in that mold would be uh, Jonathan Isaac in Orlando or uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. And and do you see other people? Uh, or other players in the mold, or does it really have to be at least six nine? No, I mean I think you're just that's you know it's not to say that we ever haven't haven't ever had gigantic ball handlers in the past. We have we saw you know Magic Johnson uh, uh, six nine, yeah, you know, and even um, 
you know, uh, Otis or, or the big O. What the hell, why can't I think of his Oscar name? Oscar Robertson. Yeah, he was six Otis. five, but but six five at his time was and a great rebounder back. as a guard. So yeah. he played bigger. Right. Um, Thirty ten and ten guy in his second year. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Grant Hill as a primary ball handler, six eight. You, you know, LeBron. A lot of these guys. Sure. sure. The, the, we've definitely had quote unquote Any. point guards who are bigger, but um. Having a guy like Nikola Jokic in the league, uh, we're just seeing that the whole idea of positionless basketball, it wasn't just about, um, it's about every player at every position being able to put the ball on the floor, shoot the three, uh, you know, do a little bit of everything. So it's, it's definitely something that we're seeing, seeing evolve in a, in a few different ways, whether it's guys like, like Draymond becoming the primary yeah. facilitator on their team. What look it, at what Bam has done this year. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. Yeah. Two, two triple doubles for Bam in the last few games. Um, that's been f- really fun to watch. And that's, that's another thing we saw over the weekend. So, um, yeah, Bam's on his way to be an all-star and that's a lot of fun. It's something we mentioned early in the season yeah. as a possibility. Um, yeah, no, positionless basketball is, is becoming a lot of fun. And it'll be interesting to see how the smaller guys do continue to uh, be of use in this league going forward when you have, a, you know, you got a lot of guys at the point of attack who are 6'6 or larger, you know, Luka Doncic, Ben Simmons, and, and that's allowing teams to put bigger guys at at other positions too or – uh, not necessarily have a guy on their team who's under six three, and, and really what what I think we're seeing is that you have to be tremendous off the dribble shooter if you're a an undersized player, and there's really no other way to get around it if you're not contributing in a big way on offense like that, like a Trey Young, or even a Devonte Graham. The way we've seen this season, <clears throat> it's just hard for you to thrive in today's NBA. Very excited about the way, you know, where NBA basketball is going. And I think we're going to get even better, bigger athletes and, and just have chaos and it's going to be awesome. Well, I mean, some, you know, there, there are certain situations too, where there are other players out there in the league who aren't being allowed to show off their full skill set right now. Like a Wendell Carter Jr. with the Chicago Bulls, he can do all this Al Horford type stuff and, and all this Bam Adebayo stuff, but he doesn't have a good coach, so he doesn't have someone opening the door for him, and it's super frustrating. Well, Kyle, that brings us to one of the next things I want to talk about is a bit of news that Garpax and the Chicago Bulls front office kind of doubled down and backed Boylan. I've picked him since the beginning of this show, uh, since the first episode about how I think he would be fired by February, and it uh, looks like Garpax is doubling down and, and backing their guy. It's this might be a situation where Garpax have had, and that's Gar Foreman and uh, not Bill Paxton, uh, <laughs> John Paxson. Uh, yeah, John Paxson was not in Twister. Uh, uh, we will not Steve go Martin. quietly into the night. Sorry, <laughs> wait a minute. That was uh, I don't think that wait, Paxson or Paxton? Which one am I getting? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Okay, because you just quoted Independence Day. <laughs> Is that not with, the right guy? With the other one. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the Twister one and the Independence guy are two different guys. Right, right. Yeah. But, I mean, it sounded like you were having Bill Paxton talk crap to a to a Twister. 
which we will not go quietly into the night twister, <laughs> which would have been way epic if he was just standing out in the field talking trash to a tornado. Like the t- two best movies from 95 and 96. There you that's go. That's how it, that's how it should have ended. Bill Paxton standing out in the, in the field, holding up one of those little ball things that the little Pepsi balls that were going to measure the, the twisters and help protect people from future storms. <laughs> like, what a weird movie. Well, this Bulls team is dealing with a storm right now, and that storm is uh, Jim Boylan at coach. So essentially what I wanted to get to there is I think that uh, Jim Paxson and Gar Foreman might be on their last legs in the front office with Jim Boylan, and this might be them going out and saying like, hey, Jim, <laughs> we're all in this together, brother. And uh, <laughs> if it doesn't work out this season, then we're all getting uh, you know our, uh, our walking papers. So at least – I want to give Bulls fans that hope. That that hopefully it's a complete clean sweep of the house. Yeah, top that's to what you need, organization. right? It is. It is. Yeah, that's. And I mean, they they had their successes yeah. in the past, and and that's not to say that they uh, have necessarily brought in a terrible roster. I think there's some good pieces on it, but some of the decisions they made this offseason were just uh, you're giving your coach. It's the same situation with the Knicks. You're giving your coach problems you shouldn't in regards to uh, the the lopsidedness of the roster or the lack of congruity between the the youth and the and the vets that you have. Like obviously, Thad Young was a really bad accounting error in regards to how he would fit on a team like this. Um, well, we got a lot to look forward to coming up this week. And let's talk about Monday's games. And we also know we have the possibility of a trade happening uh, with uh, a lot more players this week. And some players are on the block already and looking to get out. So, uh, But let's start with Monday night's games. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas might be back from his left calf strain that's uh, kept him out of the last few games. So if Isaiah Thomas is back, maybe Ish Smith uh, returns to a bench roll. That'll be something to watch. Uh, Troy Brown has also been playing well f- off the bench for the for the Wizards uh, while Thomas has been out. And it'll be interesting to see if Brown's recent uh, bigger minutes have just been because C.J. Miles and Jordan McRae have been down with injury and C.J. Miles is out for the season or if it was Isaiah Thomas's absence that really opened the door to those bigger minutes for Troy Brown. I'm interested to see that for the Pistons in this Washington at Detroit game. uh, Andre Drummond's questionable with his continued eye avocado issue. And Blake Griffin is uh, questionable after he left the previous game with knee soreness in the same knee that he had off season surgery on. So a lot of up in, up in question for the for the Pistons in this game, which should make it a a fun contest to watch, if nothing else. Moving on, brother, uh, Cleveland at Toronto. Fred Van Vliet is doubtful with his knee contusion that's like kept him out for a few games. Norm Powell's been playing really well with as Van Vliet's been out, and uh, the we've also seen just kind of Marcus All had a, a wonderful game last time last time out. This is a Cleveland at Toronto game that I think will be. A hefty, hefty blowout. Maybe Cleveland can surprise us. They've been playing a little bit better of late, but uh, the, the Vegas line on this is Toronto by 12 and a half. So I'm going to go with, uh, oh man, 12 and a half. That is a lot. That is a lot. I'm not sure, man. Uh, it's at what? Toronto, though. Uh, uh, all right. I'll, you know what? I'm going to say that the cat, I'm going to take the Cavs. 
not to win the game, but to beat the Lions. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say that the Cavs will lose by 12, 12 or less. All right. I would not right. bet on the Cavs winning, but I'm, I'm I got, yeah. I'm going to stick with the Raptors on this one. I think it'll be at least a 15 point win. Okay. Um, next game, Chicago at OKC. Not really much to talk about with this one. Um, maybe Terrence Ferguson returns from the right hip soreness that's been keeping him out. Turd uh, Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, San Antonio at Houston, a Texas special. Lonnie Walker is considered questionable, but he bumped knees with, um, I believe, Aaron Baines in their previous game and then left. But after the game, Lonnie tweeted out, it's I'm all good, brother, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we all good. Something yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Austin Rivers is probable with left finger sprain. And, and then Russell Westbrook should be back after he rested in the previous game for Houston. Houston got whooped by Detroit in the previous game with uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook sitting out. So that was fun to watch. Bruce Brown had a huge game. Derrick Rose had a huge game. That was fun. Um, so who do you got in this San Antonio at Houston game? Houston is <laughs> Vegas line. They are uh, projected to win by 10 points. Uh, I'm going with the Spurs. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Spurs to win. Ah, uh, no way, man. Houston coming off a bad loss uh, to the Pistons. I don't see it. I, I think San Antonio is gonna get worked. San Antonio has been playing. I think they've played in four straight overtime games. So, uh, wow. yeah, uh, I, I might be wrong on that. It might only be like three or something like that. But I'm, I think it might be four straight overtime games. Um, Miami. Oh, an interesting note from, uh, the New York Knicks game on Sunday. I won't say anything about the performances cause who cares? It's the Knicks, but, uh, it was their fourth straight game on the road playing it against a team that was having a star Wars night. <laughs> wow. That is a very special note. And, and then somebody brought up, are you looking through the comments after the, there was, that was a tweet from uh, Mike Vorkunov, uh, one of the reporters for the, for the, the Knicks. And somebody made a comment underneath his tweet and said, yeah, that's because teams know that the Knicks aren't going to sell tickets because they're so bad. So they have to schedule these big promotion nights for the nights that the Knicks come in. And it makes oh, sense. There you go. Um, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, the Rockets are going to work the Spurs. Miami at Memphis. Hopefully we see a big game from Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson Jr., John yeah, Morant. Yeah, got game of the night uh, written all over it, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, definitely one I'm go- I would like to check in on, but I will be at this Dallas at Milwaukee game unless I can somehow uh, pawn those tickets off on somebody <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, anyone uh, want to send Kyle a DM? Yeah. We got, yeah. what, three tickets? Yeah, that I'm... I overpaid for it because I thought Luca was going to be in town. I'm so sad. Um, anyways, hopefully Chris Stapps has like a, a 50 point game and, you know, dunks on Giannis's face, but Giannis still puts up a 50 point game as well. Uh, Milwaukee is projected to win by 11 points on the line here. Uh, God, a lot of 10 point. We're talking a lot of double digit spreads here tomorrow night. I'm going to go with uh, the Mavericks to cover. Wow. You think they're just going to sneak it in because of, uh, cause like the, the lack of Luca thing. Sure. Plus, you know, Eric Bledsoe is so important. Hater. 
Portland at Phoenix, the final game of the night on Monday, just a seven game slate, which is nice to have a little bit of a breather. You get to focus in on a few, you know, a couple of games. I wish they were more spread out though. They're all at the start of the night too. What is up with that NBA? Come on, give us a, you know, spread it out. So we don't have to try to fit in San Antonio at Houston, Miami at Memphis and Dallas at Milwaukee all at once. I mean, we got, we want to watch all those games. NBA. Come on, pals. Uh, Portland at Phoenix, uh, Devin Booker's questionable. So I don't know. This might be a really good game, actually. Yeah, that could be a good one. That's the the final game of the evening. But yeah, if Devin Booker plays, that certainly gets a lot more entertaining. If Booker's out, I would hope that Portland just destroys uh, the Suns. But uh, it is in Phoenix. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it'll end up being a pretty good game. Yeah, it'll be Frank Kaminsky's last time seeing the floor for a while. So uh, no, he'll, he'll probably still be in the rotation. <laughs> he'll probably still be because he was originally slated to be the the backup power forward. So, um, although given the team's ability to go slow or smaller at power forward with guys like Ubre and yeah. Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, they might still give Kaminsky some spot minutes, but. With the team healthy, with Aiton back on Tuesday, this yeah Monday night might be the last chance for Kaminsky. Hey, think think Kaminsky can uh, stretch out the floor, bang in like seven to ten three pointers, and maybe go for fifty points. Maybe play play Hassan Whiteside off the court. Do it, Big Frank. <laughs> uh, all right, Kyle, are you ready for the final question of the night? Yes, sir. What's your favorite Eagles song? Oh, uh, I really like this song by the Eagles called, uh, uh, what's it called? One of these, one of these nights. Yeah. I found it. I discovered it, uh, the other week. I don't know if anybody's heard of the Eagles, <laughs> but, um, it, I've been really enjoying it and I play it over and over again right now. I'll, I'm sure I'll get sick of it by like tomorrow, but maybe not next week. Well, Kyle and I appreciate you guys tuning in, whether that be through, uh, through Twitter and Periscope or YouTube or checking out the podcast format. Uh, make sure you guys like, review, um, rate it, whatever you guys can do to help us out. We really appreciate it. Your input is, of course, very important to us. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow night for another episode of Morning Hoops Podcast. He is Kyle McEwen. You can find him on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA. I am Anthony Deneu. At Anthony Deneu is where I'm at. And we will see you guys tomorrow night. Thanks, guys. We love you.